Welcome to the HVAC Business Growth Podcast. Is your business getting beaten by the competition? Are your profits dwindling? It's time to kickstart your HVAC business. Here's your host, Nick Balowski. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the HVACBusinessGrowth.com podcast. I'm your host, Nick Balowski. We've got another great episode lined up for you today. Today, we're going to talk about trade show marketing. I wanted to talk about this because it's really fresh in my mind. I actually go to probably four trade shows a year, and I just got back from another trade show. So I just want to share with you some of the key findings that I discovered when I was at this trade show and what I see at all the other trade shows as well. So what exactly are we going to talk about today? Well, we're going to talk about some strategy, then we're going to talk about presentation, and one of the most important things that you can do regarding a trade show is your follow-up strategy. So let's get stuck into the strategy. So what we need to do, first of all, is actually create a strategy for the event or for the trade show. So how are you going to position yourself? Just want to make sure that your positioning is actually congruent with how you do business. So from a strategic point of view, do you think you're going to write business at the event? Depends on what sort of trade show you're actually doing. If there is a large amount of uh, consumers coming through or the residential type of market, you might not be able to write a whole lot of business. If it's a purely trade-only or industry type of, of an event, then you might have a better chance of doing some business. So do you think that you're going to give information to people? Do you think that you're going to take leads? So all these things you need to think about strategically. The best way that I find to actually formulate the strategy is basically begin with the outcome. So ideally you want people to buy or use your products and services, right? So you have the outcome, put it down on a piece of paper, call this a mind map or a funnel, and what you need to do is actually map it back or track it back, what you're going to do all the way back to the trade show. So from here you're going to actually understand what you need in terms of staffing, marketing collateral, and anything you're going to do from a presentation point of view for your stand. So the strategy is just vitally important. What you need to do is make sure that everybody is on the same page with the strategic side of this of this trade show. So have meetings beforehand. Make sure that it's really super, super defined what the strategy is for this trade show that you're just about to do. Okay, so next what we want to get into is the presentation side of things. Like I said in the introduction, I attend at least four trade shows every year and I see a, a great variety of, of presentation skills, I guess you could say, when uh, when I go to these trade shows. So some people just basically buy the space and then they might spend a couple of hundred bucks on the display and other people go all out. For example, the trade show that I was just at, it cost $110,000 US to buy the space for the show. So some of you might be thinking, oh, it's expensive, or maybe it's not too bad. The same company would spend $500,000 on the display. So it brings a total spend for the show well above $600,000. So as you can imagine, they have to write a lot of business to make that work. But just so happens that this show is the pretty much the number one show in the country and in the world for that matter. So it's vitally important that they have a strong presence at this show. And they write a lot of business from it as well. Um, when I was speaking to some of the insiders at the particular business, they said probably 75% of their business is actually written at this particular trade show. That's a pretty impressive figure, but also daunting in the fact 
if they don't get the trade show right or they mess up on their strategy, then that's a large amount of the business that could go down the toilet there. So they probably need to be careful on that a little bit if I was consulting them. That's what I'd probably say. So the other things that you need to think about from a presentation perspective are, are you going to have a full stock range there at the show or are you just going to have more of an image-based display? That's a pretty important question because as you can imagine, depending on your business, some of your stock, you might have a lot and also the stock that you've got could be really heavy and large and bulky and quite difficult to ship. So something that you really need to think about. One thing that I did see at the most recent show that I was at was the storyboards. So basically what they are is the company creates these storyboards where basically it defines the concept of the business and does a lot of work to position the business in the market. It's really about building the story and getting the people that are walking through the, the trade show, whether they are residential consumers or whether they're in the commercial type of market, they really need to understand your business and how you are positioned relative to the rest of the people that are at the show. So the storyboards, I think, are a great idea. So if you've got a really unique story or if you've got a great way of positioning your business, try and map it out in an image-based type of storyboard. You might be able to get a marketing company to actually help with the design of this, but it's, it's incredibly effective, I find, and it, it helps people... Um, associate with your products and services just a little bit better. So the staff are a vitally important part of a trade show. We've already touched on this a little bit, but basically the message is that you shouldn't neglect the staffing side of it. Basically, if you don't have staff that are available at the show, then people won't and can't stop to talk. So obviously, if you can have a conversation with somebody about your products or services, they are a much more qualified lead than just giving away a, an information pack or getting an email address or something like that. If you can have a conversation with somebody that, in my opinion, is the be-all and end-all um, of a trade show, having good quality conversations, meeting and associating with people, and then developing a continuing marketing plan from there. Like I said, the message is make sure you've got lots of staff on site and make sure they are briefed and they understand what the show is actually about. So you need to set standards and objectives for your staff. At this same trade show that I was at, it was quite amazing how busy it was and yet some staff were there at great expense to the company but they still thought it was a great idea to go out until 5am and, and get drunk and you should have seen them on the, on the booth say so look like zombies so I bet they wouldn't have done a really good job uh, associating with people and engaging with, with customers as they came through so make sure you set standards and objectives for your staff that are there so measuring what's actually happening at the trade show is vitally important as well a lot of people just fork out all this money like I said $600,000 and they don't really measure what actually happens at these particular trade shows. So you actually want to try and measure how many people your staff actually had contact with. So you could measure that by how many information packs you give away or how many leads they take note of. So they might have a, a journal system where they actually record the leads that they get in. So you need to have a way of actually defining what the cost per lead is for this type of event. 
and then you can track these leads all the way through to the cost per sale as well. And then you can actually work out whether the trade show is actually worth it for you at all. Obviously, if you're spending you know, a million dollars in advertising or maybe even if you're only spending a few thousand dollars for a trade show, but you're not getting a return on investment, you have to really question uh, what you're doing. So obviously, if it doesn't work out for you, if you're not making any money from these shows, then it might be a good idea to cut your losses there and, and look to pursue a different marketing channel. I feel one of the most important things from a trade show is the follow-up part of it. So I just got back from a trade show. It would have been 10 days ago. So today, as I'm recording this, it's February the 5th, and the trade show was towards the end of, of January. So funnily enough, I actually haven't received a great deal of follow-up. I got a few automated emails after I showed some interest in some of the stalls and, and had some conversations with people, but I haven't had any personal follow-up yet. So the follow-up side of it is really, that's the groundbreaker. It's where you can go from break-even on the trade show to super profits. And given the information that I've just shared with you in terms of nobody actually calling me back or, or, or sending emails or making a personalized um, type of approach to me, can you imagine how interested and how special I would feel if somebody actually took the time to give me a quick phone call and just say, hey, it was great meeting you at the show recently. Um, we discussed this. Do you want to take this further, or is there anything I can do to um, help you make a decision? But somehow I don't think that I'm going to get that phone call anytime soon. So here's what I think about following up at trade shows. I think there's a, a three-week post-event window that's critically important. So usually when someone goes to a show, they get some fantastic ideas for for what they can do with their business or if, if they're homeowners if, from a residential point of view. So they get plenty of adrenaline, they come back with heaps of ideas and they want to do things. But as we know, life gets in the way. You know, some people have to go back to work. We have events that happen within the family. We have parties to go to and that sort of thing. And basically we just forget about it because unfortunately the trade show that they went to three weeks later isn't the most important thing in their life. They're not really thinking about it at all. So the three-week window is absolutely important. But what you need to do is actually set some sort of follow-up or marketing schedule that leverages this three-week window. So what I mean is you actually concentrate your efforts in this first three weeks post the event. Basically while the adrenaline from the show and um, the love is still there, so to speak. So you can set a schedule. Things that... I like to include uh, in a follow-up sequence of things like personalized phone calls. They work fantastically. Ideally, it's from the person that you actually spoke with at the trade show. So just say you go along to, uh, to a trade show and you stop by a stall and you speak with a person called Gary. Ideally, in the next three weeks, Gary actually gives you a call back and follows up on that conversation and see whether it can be taken any further. Email is also really good as well. Like I said, at the recent show, I only got automated email. I didn't get any personalized email follow-up, so that was a bit disappointing. They can obviously do a little bit better there. Email is pretty quick to get at. It's, it's fairly impersonal, though, but it's obviously better than not doing anything at all. Postcards can work really well. That's something that you can set up in a semi-automated type of fashion where 
if you collect somebody's details, you can put them into a database and you can actually uh, hire marketing companies. I think maybe send out cards might be a particular company that does this where they print the card for you, put the name and address of the person or of the lead on the actual card and they send it out for you and it might cost maybe a dollar per card to get it printed and sent. So I think it's a fantastic deal. Uh, catalogs, if people have requested further information then by all means send them out your business catalogs. You must do this with a covering letter though to introduce yourself and basically just talk further about your business and any special offers that you have related to the catalog. And the same goes with information packs as well. So don't just send out a blank information pack. Send a nice covering letter with it as well where you might make a direct response type of offer if somebody responds within a certain period of time. So ideally what you do here, it doesn't really matter too much what tools you use. It's going to be different for every business. But what you must do is create a sequence and actually follow through on this sequence. So like I said, have a good concentration in that first three weeks. It doesn't mean that you stop at three weeks because you might have a very high visitor value to your business or a high average dollar transaction for your business. So it might actually make sense that you could send out $100 worth of follow-up marketing over six months and if that turns into a sale, that can still be profitable for you. So it just depends on your business margins and what the lifetime customer value is actually worth, which we discussed in previous podcasts. Okay, so that's enough on the topic of trade show marketing. I reckon there's some great things for you to implement at the next trade show. So make sure you set a realistic plan and a good budget for the next trade show that you do. Come up with a strategy, brief all of your staff, and actually create a follow-up funnel or a marketing sequence that will build off the back of the good work that you did at the show. So normally it would be time for the HVAC Business Growth Tip of the Week, but this week it's actually coming in the form of a listener question. I had somebody from a HVAC security company just uh, send me a message through Facebook, and basically the question was, how can they get a better qualified and engaged sales team out there? So I've got basically three points that are going to answer this question, and some of it we've touched on in previous podcasts, but... I'm going to get straight into it now. So first of all, make your sales team as motivated and efficient as what they possibly can be. Firstly, you want to make sure that the problem isn't at your end. So you want to make sure that they're not actually prospecting. So basically what prospecting is, is going out into the market and every lead out there is absolutely cold and you're just looking for anything with a pulse basically so that's a really inefficient way of using the time of your sales team so you want to set up some full marketing strategies which we've discussed in previous podcasts and videos on the website and you want to make sure that the sales team is actually dealing with qualified leads so if they're dealing with qualified leads that makes a massive difference to their success from there so the second Thing that you might be able to consider it depends on how your business is actually structured from a profit point of view whether you have any back-end sales but some businesses have great success in actually front-loading the commissions to their sales team so basically what it is is if somebody makes a first up sale if you have a strong back-end to your business meaning follow-up sales they actually give up to 100%, sometimes just a little bit less, but sometimes it's 100% of the sale. So 
I'll give you an example. So just say a sales member goes out and makes a $1,000 sale. In the first instance, the company actually gives that sales member $1,000. They give them the entire sale, or they might just give them the entire profit for the sale. And then after that, if they've actually analysed the back end and the, the net worth of the customer, they actually realise that, hey, they might spend or technically lose $1,000 up front or they lose the profit, say it might be $300 if you're working at um, 30%. So they've analysed the net worth of a customer and they realise that if they actually spend or lose $300 worth of profit to begin with, or they lose the entire first transaction to a sales member, that it's actually worth $10,000 in back-end business to them. And for that, the salesperson might get a nominal fee from there, but it's quite heavily loaded to the front end. So that might actually work for, for your business. I'm not quite sure how you've got it um, how you've structured and how you incentivize your staff or anything like that. But you might be able to come up with a, a workaround or something similar to that effect. So the third thing that I think is absolutely vital is you need to provide training for your sales team. Salespeople, believe it or not, are actually human beings. So one of the human needs is you need to feel that you're actually growing, whether it's in your career or just in life in general. So if you're not providing any training for your staff and you're not assisting in their career development and their growth, then you might be able to keep them for a little while, but sooner or later they're just going to walk out and go to a different job because they're not getting engaged, they're not encouraged to grow their career or grow their sales skills, so they're just going to work, walk out and go to a different business. So if we can summarize there, the three things that I think that you could do to help engage and incentivize the staff at your business, obviously make sure they're not prospecting, so have a pull marketing system so they're dealing with qualified leads. Secondly, look at working out some sort of front-loaded commission structure where your staff are awarded for early sales, but the back-end revenue um, is obviously weighted in your favour. And thirdly, what you need to do is actually provide training for your staff and make sure that their needs are being met and they're growing in their careers. So I hope that answers the question for you. For anyone else out there, if you have any questions about your HVAC business, whether it's to do with marketing or sales, advertising, whatever it is, just send them through to me. You can email them through. Uh, my email address actually is nick at hvacbusinessgrowth.com or you can just send me a message on Facebook or Twitter. Um, I'll do my best to answer them in the podcast show if I can. So that's all we've got time for today. I'm your host, Nick Belowski. Thank you for listening to the hvacbusinessgrowth.com podcast. This has been another edition of the HVAC Business Growth Podcast. For more marketing tips and strategies, go to the website, hvacbusinessgrowth.com.